0: So, Israel, we've been covering the conflict just about every week, ever since October the 7th, and the latest round of fighting broke out. We've done more analysis in, what, three months now than most people will have done in two years. (laughs) And that's even with a weekly show, but I I can't say I've done it by myself. I just have, have some really quality sources. I just can't recommend them enough. Again excuse me, those who don't know, I'm listening to actually a really large collection of people, but some useful information sources that I'm using right now, Rogue News, The Duran, can't recommend them enough, uh, Sticks, Hex, and Hammer, I'm listening to Jimmy Dore again. Um, uh, every now and then I get around to the X-22 Report, I'm listening to Steven Crowder, I'm listening to Tim Pool, I'm listening to a lot of people I've been really enjoying, uh, The Rising from The Hill, I'm listening to a lot of people. Uh, I've also been enjoying the various interviews that Piers Morgan has been having on his shows, but yeah, these are some of the sources of information I'm getting. I'm getting the truth from whoever and wherever I can get it. And sometimes it's very strange. Like when the conflict first broke out, for example, I brought up a, a, a take on the conflict delivered by the Tate Tate the Tate brothers. And I'm, I'm just saying, they're like, wow, The Tate brothers have a better take on Gaza, Israel, Gaza, than half of the talking heads that I'm listening to double down on war and violence and bloodshed from the safety of their (laughs) thousands of miles away. People like Peterson saying, give them hell, Netanyahu. Nikki Haley talking about finish them. Ben Shapiro saying destroy, kill all Hamas. Don't don't I don't care about the civilians. Well, he didn't say all that, but it's heavily implied when you look at his Twitter feed. It's 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 been a wild ride, so to speak, watching the, the Israel got just the latest round of Israel uh, Gaza fighting. Because we we've briefly touched up on various the other rounds that have happened since this podcast is coming to being. And none of those caught anywhere near as much attention as this one has, which is great for the Palestinians if they can seal the deal. If they can seal the deal, what is sealing the deal? Sovereignty. That is the end goal sovereignty for Palestine. And that will require a, not just a, a ceasefire, a, per, a permanent ceasefire. No, 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 no. We need an armistice. That's what the Palestinians need. I say I say we as if I'm... Okay. <laughs> no, no. They need an armistice. An actual peace treaty that is legally binding. That's what they need. And the recognition of the Palestinian state by Israel. And a recognition of peace with Palestine by Israel. That's what they need. Now there's a lot of fear mongering on the pro Israeli side that all oh, the Palestinians, they'll just wipe out Israel. Oh, they just want to kill all the, all the Jews from the river to the sea. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And is there an ethnic cleansing? <laughs> is there a large faction of people in Palestine and in Hamas specifically who would not mind a, a ethnic cleansing campaign of their own against Israel? Anybody who is realistic is going to say, of course, because it's true. That's how blood feuds go. Now, other people will simp for Palestine and say no, no one said that. No one's saying uh, to kill all the Jews. No one's saying that. Okay, it's it's about this obscure historical reference. That that's what everyone's saying from the river to the sea. For yeah, sure they are. <laughs> but Israel is a genocidal maniac country, an apartheid state who is oppressing you. What do you? What type of? Mindset? Do you think that level of repression is going to create in the people you're repressing? It's going to create an equally genocidal reaction. Like it's it's really not rocket science. But we've been covering Israel Gaza. We know what the the end goals of both these countries are. Gaza, or I say Gaza, Palestine in general, but the fight the the focus is on Gaza right now. Their objective is to survive and let Israel do the work of destroying their own reputation internationally, because now all eyes are on Gaza. And I speculated at the very beginning that Hamas's goal was to take the sentiments that had been built up for a negotiated settlement between Russia and Ukraine, because there, remember, this when this popped off in October, it was only a few months prior to that when there was a big peace summit in Arabia for Ukraine In Russia. And a whole bunch of Arab leaders showed up for that. So if you're Hamas and you're you're uh we now know that they were planning um the attack on October the 7th for and they had the battle plan for it. At least a year ahead of time, we know they've been training for this. So if you're Hamas and you're you're preparing for this attack, you're preparing uh and you even have the emotional dimension of getting revenge for the desecration of the al-Aqsa mosque if you're hamas and you see as you're preparing for this attack you see that there's a large enough sentiment in the region from the region's major powers for a a negotiated settlement for, for foreigners who aren't in the middle east who these countries don't have the power to do anything about well what if instead of focusing on ukraine russia they were focusing on Israel-Palestine. So now you attack Israel, then you fall back, and apparently the strategy was to go in, kill Israeli military, kidnap Israeli civilians, and then bring them into Gaza so the Israelis have no choice but to go into Gaza. And then to let the Israelis do the work of destroying their own reputation, which will shift public sentiments in favor of, of, not necessarily Hamas, but in favor of Palestine, And with sentiment already being in favor of a negotiated settlement, why would that not then apply to Israel-Palestine? There's no reason that it wouldn't, especially considering that Arabia just hosted the summit for Ukraine. Why would they not be favorable to a, a, a negotiated settlement between Israel and Palestine? Of course they would, because now it's the Arab world. Now they can do something about it. And that's Hamas's estimation. Hamas's estimation is that Israel will damage its own reputation enough through the the relentless bombing of civilians that they inevitably knew was going to happen. Like people try to say, "Oh, people try to pretend that like Hamas wouldn't know that Israel's response was going to be to flatten everything in sight." Even though any observer of this conflict knows that that's exactly how the Israelis respond every time they get into a fight with Hamas. Hamas knew that this was going to happen. They knew that the Israelis were just going to go killing civilians without, on the on the blink of an eye, on the turn of a dime. They, they were And they weren't going to blink twice about it. They are just going to kill civilians. And Hamas knew that. Which is why it is accurate to say that Hamas hides behind its own people. They're a guerrilla fighting force, and they operate exclusively within the city limits of Gaza. What, what more is there to say? And plus, you're fighting a, a country that has no problems with ethnic cleansing and no problems with dropping bombs on civilians. What else is there to say? Of course you're hiding behind your people, and that's the strategy. (laughs) Well, that's the tactic, I should say, to gin up public support for Palestine. Because the more Palestinians die, the more support for Palestine rises. The more people forget about October the 7th, and the more they start looking at the raw numbers, it's like, okay, sure, Israel has a right to respond. Sure, Israel has a right to defend itself, but does that really warrant 20,000 deaths in Gaza? 21,000 deaths in Gaza, does that, is, is that really okay? Is that really acceptable? And if you're in Gaza now, is that, is that really you defending yourself now or is the, is the objective changed a little bit? That's what's happening. And the estimation of Hamas was that this PR nightmare for anybody who would stand by Israel would grow so great that other countries would intervene, and that's that's their win condition. Other countries intervening on Palestine's behalf to stop Israel, and in the process, either forcing, outmaneuvering Israel diplomatically and forcing them to come to a peace with Palestine, which would recognize Palestine's sovereignty. Which is something that the the Arab states are moving towards, as we saw back in the the joint summit, uh, the joint Arab-Islam summit back in uh, actually uh, just a month ago, but between the the League of uh, the Arab League, right, and the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, when just about every country who came to the stand talked about bringing it back to the the internationally recognized 1967 borders of Israel-Palestine with East Jerusalem as Palestine's capital. So the the diplomatic machinery is already in in play here to bring that about through diplomatic maneuvering. You have the Arab states also maneuvering in the UN and the UN General Assembly and the Security Council to try to force through another ceasefire in Gaza that the United States is now blocking. Making us look bad in the process, because we're covering for Israel, uh, and and this is uh, a gripe I have with Vivek Ramaswamy, because this is something that he would likely do with his diplomatic iron dome. But uh, that's just a, a side note, because you know, it it pains me to see good, <laughs> good candidates in the United States still sending for Israel. But I digress. That won't be a problem when this is over, likely. But. You see the diplomatic machinery in play, but then there's also the threat, uh, which is exemplified in the Turkish approach to this. Because the Iranian approach is conflict containment. The Arab approach is conflict resolution. The Turkish approach is conflict escalation or a different form of conflict resolution in the form of armed violence against Israel. The Turks are actively justifying a war goal against Israel. And if Turkey moves in, Hezbollah has no reason not to move in. And at that point, it becomes a waterfall, as we can see is possible with various actors, militias, states, what have you, just deciding and waking up one day and choosing violence, like with the Houthis. And we'll, we'll talk about the Houthis later on. But just a brief flashback to our episode last week, the Houthis just woke up and chose violence and said, you know what, we're just going to bomb every Israeli ship that comes through the, the Bab al-Mandab Strait. I finally memorized it. Every ship that go through the Bab al-Mandab Strait, or as I like to call it, the Straits of Djibouti, because it's next to Djibouti, we're just, we're just going to bomb it. We're just going to use drones. We're going to harass it. We're going to attack it. And if we can, we're going to seize it. Now, they've since extended that into a a total blockade, and not just a blockade of Israeli ships. Again, we'll talk about that later on. But they just woke up and chose violence. And there's nothing anybody in the the neighborhood can do about them. And none of the countries relatively nearby who could stop them, like Iran, like Turkey, like uh, maybe Egypt or or Pakistan, I suppose, none of them uh, have any incentive to stop them. Arabia can't stop them. They they just lost a war to them. They've been fighting a war for, against them for a decade, and they, they just can't win. And, and what's crazy is that the Houthis don't even have control over their whole, their whole country. They have control over the most populous parts, but not the whole of Yemen. And and they've just piled on to Israel because they have enough leeway to do so, which says a lot about who's winning the civil war. And no one has any, no one who can stop them has any incentive to stop them. And no one who's nearby has the ability to it's. And so you have the means of a steadily, a steady escalation of the conflict from various state and non-state actors just choosing to fight Israel and no one having any political incentive to stop them or to get them to back down from that position. Cause now you're, you're backing Israel. You're, you're, you're backing genocide in Gaza. That's the PR that you're going to be dealing with. And no one wants to deal with that. Turkey could come in like the Houthis, just wake up one day and choose violence, and that would be an entire can of worms that could, that could not be put back in the box. And it would not be put back in the box until the Israelis were defeated. That's the other way in which this ends. But whether it's through diplomatic maneuvering or through force of arms, Palestine. If Israel doesn't end the fighting, Palestine will achieve sovereignty through an international intervention. Israel's win condition is obviously ethnic cleansing, uh, as evident by their uh, their attempt to just force the Israeli the the Palestinian population to leave Gaza and their occupation of ninety-seven percent of the West Bank. They just want they just want they want all of Palestine, but without the Palestinians in it. That's what they want, and that's what they're trying to do. But Israel, as they've been attempting their ethnic cleansing campaign, with varying degrees of success, they, they depopulated northern Gaza just by scaring everyone into leaving, fleeing south, only to bomb southern Gaza. <laughs> um, Israel has only, as they've continued and as this war goes on, the news just doesn't favor Israel. It, it just really doesn't. And there was a story that came out last week. I intended to talk about it, at least in passing, but I, I still wasn't sure if it had actually happened. I, I am more certain now that it did, which is that Israel killed three escaped hostages. They escaped from Hamas. They came out, they, had a, they were shirtless. They had a white flag, an improvised white flag, and they were asking for help in Hebrew. In Hebrew, which is the Israeli language. And the Israelis gunned them down. And that spawned mass protests and mass unrest in Israel itself. Because why would you shoot at your own people? And Indisputably, your own people. Is, they, they had no shirts on, so you can't say, oh, they were wearing a vest. They were speaking in Hebrew, so you can't say, oh, it's just the, the Arabs trying to pull one over on us. They had the white flags, which is in any other conflict environment, that means surrender. But I, apparently, the Israelis are backwards. And I remember looking back on my my time in school in my current events class I had, when we were watching a, a documentary on what was happening in Gaza, and we'd see one of their protocols, the Israeli protocols, it was if you turn your back to the Israeli soldiers, they would shoot you. And I'm like, well, okay, so I'm not allowed to be in your sight. And I'm not allowed to run away from you and I'm not allowed to wave a white flag, but sure, in my country, who are you? <laughs> who are you? It's, I always found it strange. And, I, I, and now I understand why. The goal isn't a peace with Palestine, it's ethnic cleansing. So you, that's why the strategy, the tactics don't make any sense. They're not supposed to. It's just about extermination. It's about removing the Palestinians from Palestine. But in the process of doing that, when there's so much public attention on Israel, because that's the catch with their with their grand strategy, which is ethnic cleansing. You can win if you force all the Palestinians out of Palestine, but you need peace and quiet and you need uh, no transparency. You need low levels of attention on you. You have to avoid the spotlight. Israel's in the spotlight, which means that ethnic cleansing is exposed, and ethnic cleansing is viewed as the crime against humanity that it is. Now, if you can, if you can get away with it, and the way you get away with it is by not having the public attention on you, the global public attention on you, but by having having what you're doing like uh, something that goes on in the background that no one's really thinking about. That's how you win. That's how Israel wins. Israel can't do that because everyone is watching what's happening in Gaza right now. And as a result of that, the news cycle just gets worse and worse for them. And then you have uh, tragedies and quite frankly, atrocities like what they're doing right now, where they, they killed their own people. And we've gone over various stories talking about the prospect that the Israelis may have killed hundreds of their own people on October the 7th. Uh, we're probably going to get more information about that as time goes on. Um, but... Yeah, the, the, the news just come, comes out, and the more we learn about this latest round of fighting, the less uh, Israel looks like a, a victim, and more Israel looks like a really incompetent bully who fantasizes about ethnic cleansing. Now, on top of... Uh, yeah. How do you fuck that one up? Uh, three Your own hostages in Gaza, they're, they're shirtless, Ask for help in Hebrew, they got the white flag up. That's a layup. That's a layup. You could, you could, you could have sold, that's a layup. If your goal is to rescue your hostages, that's a layup. You, you, it's, it's a free dub. They did the work of escaping on their own. Just take, and then they shot them. Okay. The the Israel defense force, the Israeli defense force acknowledged that they killed three of their hostages that were kidnapped by Hamas. So they've acknowledged this themselves. And that's, uh, my goodness. I guess at least they're honest. They they can't pull this one over the, the eyes of the Israeli citizens, I suppose. And they even admitted that they, were, they had a white flag and that they were appealing in Hebrew for help and that they were shirtless. Like, I swear, I'm not pro or anti-Israel when I say this. But Israel, as this conflict goes on, is losing its credibility as a state with every day that passes in this latest round of fighting. Now, I bring up the threat that international intervention on the part of the Arab states around them could potentially end Israel's sovereignty if Israel is not careful and if Israel doesn't end this round of fighting on their own terms, which means ending the fighting before they get before they get that letter in the mail saying, hey, there's a peace summit tomorrow. Be there. Hey, we're going to beat you up after school at 3 o'clock be there. (laughs) Because it could go either way. All right. The uh, Ironically enough, the Iranians, if they get their way, it's going to be the diplomatic way. Iran is actually Israel's friend in this, in an indirect manner, because they're going with the diplomatic approach. They're taking the high road and working with the Arabs to do so, specifically the Saudis. The Turks want smoke. And every militia In Yemen uh, with the Houthis Syria especially Syria especially after this latest airstrike that they did and in Lebanon and in Jordan all these militias all these rogue actors who just roam the deserts killing whatever they can find Uh, that's an exaggeration but you know what I mean all these rogue ass militias these lots of uh, loose cannons so to speak would love to handle the situation in the way in which Turkey would like to handle the situation. Hezbollah has been more restrained than anybody expected them to be. Turkey gets their way, all that goes out the window, and you get a regional coalition. It is just one state after the next dogpiling on Israel. I've named that as a possibility, and I'm still uh, acutely aware that it is. it remains a strong possibility. Because no one knows what the Turks are going to do. No one knows when the Turks are going to show up and fire off a salvo on the Israeli Navy. We just don't know. They could do it tomorrow. They could do it next week. They could do it yesterday. <laughs> we don't know. But the second they do that, all the diplomatic efforts that, are the, that the Saudis and the Iranians have been doing for conflict containment and resolution through diplomacy, all of that goes out the window and you get a wider war. Israel is not doing itself any favors with what it's doing in Gaza. And especially now when more and more reports are coming out that they're killing their own people in the process. They gunned down three of their own hostages. Wasn't the whole goal of going into Gaza to, to get your hostages? But wasn't that one of the primary objectives, I should say? Because not the main goal. Wasn't getting your hostages out safely one of the primary objectives? You just killed three of them. And a, a court, a, reportedly... You've killed hundreds of your own people on October, on the day of October the 7th. And we talked about the ratios that that would mean for, for Hamas, given how many of the, the people who died on October the 7th were military, Israel is doing itself no favors. They are losing their credibility as a state with their refusal to abide by any of the rules of war, Now, we could say that there are no rules to the war, and we'd technically be right, but there are generally accepted rules of engagement. And that includes not shooting at people surrendering to you. That includes not gunning down your own people when they're surrendering to you, speaking in your language. That includes not bombing civilians and claiming that every adult male you kill is Hamas. These are things that are generally a part of the accepted rules of engagement in war, even with the understanding that there really are not necessarily any rules in war, but there are, there are rules of engagement, right? There are certain things you just don't do when you can avoid it and Israel can avoid it all the time. They just choose not to, and it's destroying their credibility as a state. Like every day, it seems like every day, every week now, new information is coming out about the war. And if you've noticed, like I have, it's never good for Israel, never. And I'm not exaggerating. Name the last time good news for Israel came out of Gaza, name it. You would have to go back to the ceasefire when they stopped fighting to get good news, which was that uh, 60 plus hostages were released. And that the dying in Gaza finally stopped. You'd have to go back to the ceasefire to get get good news, because the news that comes out when there's fighting is always bad for Israel, which is odd, considering that they have an objective military superiority in terms of equipment and firepower. Yet they can't kill Hamas. They're not destroying the tunnels. They they've flooded a couple, but not. uh, That's chump change. They have tunnels underneath all of Gaza. And you, you, you were up well above 20,000 now. I don't even know what the number is. Like For this week and this week alone, I have lost track of what the number is in Gaza. If I had to guess, I'd say it's somewhere around 24,000. But that is an estimate. My But my goodness, it, the news is never good for Israel when the fighting is going on. The last time they had good news was when there was no fighting. There was no dying. And they were getting their... their hostages back, which again, we were told could never be done because we can't negotiate with the savage barbarian animals. And yet more was accomplished during that ceasefire than in three months of fighting now. As you gained your hostages from Hamas gave you your hostages. When you when you make the ceasefire with Hamas, you got 60 plus hostages. When you were fighting Hamas, you killed three of your own hostages. It's it's it just it's never good for Israel. It's destroying their own credibility as a state because these are actions approved and condoned by the Israeli government, which when overlaid with ethnic cleansing, when overlaid with the things that they are doing in Gaza and, and the mass killing of civilians and the, the starvation, the, the siege of Gaza, because let's not forget that Gaza' is under siege, cut off from food, water, elect, electricity and medical supplies and energy, It's it just doesn't make Israel look valid as a state, at least not in the eyes of the Arab world. And that's what's important, not what the United States thinks, but what Israel's neighbors think, because Israel's neighbors are going to be the one who get to decide what happens to Israel after this war, unless Israel ends the fighting beforehand on Israel's own terms, which they don't seem willing to do, at least not yet. Although there is pressure from the United States saying, hey, you got to wrap this up by the end of the year, Israel doesn't look like they want to do that. And Israel will likely suffer the consequences of that if they don't. And at a certain point, there will come a time when even the United States, Israel's biggest simp, in the literal definition of the word, because we keep giving them money for free, just for existing, just for breathing. Here's $3 billion every year. Oh my God, it's Israel. Oh my God, the chosen people. Uh, Israel, take my money. Uh, uh. (laughs) Here's $14 billion. Uh. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, they're literally their biggest simp. There will come a time when even the United States won't be able to withstand the radioactive PR of standing by Israel. Especially if it become proven beyond reasonable doubt that they did kill hundreds of their own people on October the 7th, this day which was supposed to live in infamy. Well, it'll live in infamy, all right. Just not for Hamas, but for Israel. When when the when the kill count in Gaza starts touching those 30, 40,000, and when and when the real numbers of Hamas's losses come out in it the, the real number of Hamas who died in exchange for the, the 30, 40, 50,000, whatever the number is in Gaza dead by the time we get to that point, when we realize that Israel hasn't been getting anything for the number of civilians that they've been killing, it's over. It's over. Like, there's a, a, a preponderance of evidence, both statistically, if you want to believe the polls, and anecdotally. Yeah if you just interact with people on the street, that Israel has lost the generational war. Gen Z doesn't give a damn about them. I don't. None of my friends do. And that's from across the political spectrum. Gen Z doesn't give a damn about Israel. And the fact that we're even having a debate in the United States as to whether or not we should be supporting Israel or if we should be on the side of Palestine... Now, my position is we shouldn't be on either side, but the fact that we're even having this discussion says, and I've said it before, but this says that there is no longer a consensus in this country as to what the value of that alliance is with Israel. And Israel, as time goes on, with that as the starting line in the United States, it's only going to get worse for Israel. Like, there's no way you start off with a divided American public and it gets better from you ethnic cleansing in Gaza. No, it gets worse. It gets worse because people can only sit there and go, but the terrorists, but my terrorists for so long before they go, yeah, Hamas is terrorists, but you're killing kids. We're just going to leave you and them alone. Because that's going to be the the consensus, the new consensus reached in America, that maybe we just don't need to be over there. Supporting ethnic cleansing on the part of either Hamas or Israel. And that's going to be a a compromise that both sides can get behind, because ultimately the conflict doesn't impact us. And both sides will accept not supporting the other side, even if it means not supporting their own side. That's going to be the new consensus in America. And when that happens, it's over for Israel, because Israel doesn't have friends outside of America. Egypt is as close as they got to having a friend, aside from America. And Egypt is under heavy pressure to put Israel in its place, not to side with Israel. Egypt did their part for but if for Israel, Egypt has already done its part. Egypt Warned them in advance that the attack was coming. They they did it. They already did. And they've been a good friend, as close to a friend as you can be. As close to a friend as it was politically acceptable for Egypt to be. They normalized relations. One of the first countries to do so in the Arab world. Like, you can't really ask for more <laughs> from Egypt. But Egypt is going to be under heavy internal political pressure to side with the Palestinians on this one. They don't like Hamas, but they also don't like uh, having a a refugee crisis on their border because of Israel's attempts at ethnic cleansing, forcing the Palestinians to flee south to to the border, bum-rushing the border to flee Israeli bombs. Egypt doesn't appreciate that. Egypt, like the rest of the Arab states, want the Palestinians in Palestine, not their own countries. And if Israel's going to make that difficult, then they're not going to side with Israel. And it's that simple. And if there's no united states there to back them up which functionally there really isn't anyway because we don't have the and i'll get into this when we talk about the houthis we don't have the capacity to really do shit over there we really don't so in the event that there is a wider war the united there isn't much the united states could do to to help israel anyway but in terms of formalities when there is no longer united states there to back up and co-sign everything that Israel does, it's a wrap. Israel will be at the mercy of its neighbors, and its neighbors by that point in time aren't going to have much mercy to spare. But that's Israel. That's Israel. We, we've been saying it's time for a course correction. Hey, maybe you should course correct. Hey, maybe we should adjust to the changing of tides. I'm. I'm not. I'm not going to pretend that. Oh, I'm. I'm the most. I'm the most important voice for the Israelis to be listening to. I'm not going to pretend that. I'm, I'm, I'm random on the internet. <laughs> but I will I will say that I said it. So let, I'll put that on the record. I said that the, the course correction needed to happen. And if they had plenty of time to do it, I guess time ran out. I guess time ran out. They, they still have some time. They can stop fighting in Gaza. But what that's going to mean from this point onwards is anybody's guess. I don't know if it's going to mean that Israel gets to dictate how this thing goes, how this conflict ends. I don't know that. The the diplomatic machinery is already in play courtesy of the Arabs. But leaving it alone on their own terms is the best shot that they have because if it ends on anyone else's terms, there might not be an Israel left for the Israelis. But I don't get to control what the Israelis do, which is odd considering that they get so much of my money. But, alas, uh, good luck to the Israelis. Uh, Good luck to keeping your nationhood, not good luck to the ethnic cleansing campaign. I'll just clarify that. But now we will move on to our next topic, shall we? This segment was taken from my podcast, This Week in Geopolitics. I have new episodes every Monday, so if you like what you heard, consider giving me a follow. Thanks for listening, and hopefully I'll see you next time. Servus.